Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live from the heart of Manhattan and Rockefeller Center, New York City, Newsstand Studios. Joined as usual with John across from me today. How you doing, John? Doing great. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? 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 Joe Hazen rocking the panels. Joe has a new, uh, a new uh, what's it called, like a, like an announcer oh, AI bumper? voice. Yeah, let's say for today's uh, episode. What is today, uh, Joe? Here is another edition of No Tangent Tuesdays on Cooking Issues. Wow. I kind of like that. I wish, that. I wish that was my voice. Uh, over there on the left hand, we got uh, Nastasia the Hammer Lopez. How you doing? Good. Good. And uh, Jackie Molecules, but not in the same same city, probably, but not same building, right? How you doing, Jack? Not this here. I'm good. I'm in. I'm in San Francisco. San actually. Francisco, man. So, yeah. did you drive there? Did you do the Sammy Hagar where you couldn't drive 55? What used to take two hours now takes all day. I can't drive 55. Sure. I, I did drive. Yeah. Yeah. And what speed did you go? What's the legal speed there now in between the two? Oh, I don't know, but I, I usually just do 80, 85. Yeah, 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 because you can't drive 55. I follow, follow the flow. You got to follow yeah. the flow, you know, I mean, whatever like, everyone else is doing. There, were, doing. there was a lot of other problems with the Carter administration, obviously, a lot of stuff going on, double-digit inflation, freaking gas prices, like, you know, the, the hostages in Iran. But, man, that double nickel really pissed off a lot of people, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the only Sammy Hagar song that I really is. I'm not like a like when it comes to Van Halen. Are any of you are any of you Sammy Hagar uh, Van Halen folk? No, no, right? No, no, no. I mean, you know, it's not that I'm like in love with you know Diamond David Lee Roth, but you know that's the Van Halen I listen to. You know what I mean? Anyway, uh, and in the extreme upper left hand corner, how you doing, Quinn? I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good. Uh, all right. So uh, what do you guys got for me for the week? Anything? Anything for the week? Oh, by the way, if you're listening on Patreon Live, call in your questions to 917-410-1507. That's 917-410-1507. And please get your questions ready because uh, tell them who's coming up. Uh, if they're not a Patreon member, and tell them who's coming up that they might want to listen to. Well, Quentin, you want to take that one away since you're the one who secured the guest? Uh, sure, yeah. Uh, next week, we have Chef Sola el on the show to talk about her new book called Start Here, among other things that she can talk about. It's quite and a tome. It's a, fa- it's, a fat, it's a fat book. It's quite a tome. It's not like yeah. a, it's not some thin little manual. Like, you know, it's not like what I would write where it's like how to cook and then just open the page, do it right, and that's it. Book over. No, it's like big. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, go ahead. Sorry. And then the week after that, Dr. A.L. Johnson will be back on the show in person, I believe, and uh, we'll talk about more about her book, Flavorama, which will be out at that point. You got to say it with, you know, you got to say it, you know, you got to punch that. Well, Dave, I'll, I'll defer to you for that. All right. All right. Well, we'll do it when the time comes, maybe. Well, when the doctor comes on, we're actually going to start the stream 15 minutes after we normally start, I believe. All right. So, yeah. So, Patreon folks, just know it's going to run. 12.15. To 12.15 to one fifteen. There you go. Uh, and b- both are in studio, correct, Quinn? Yeah, yep. and Sweet. I will also mention, I didn't do much cooking on the weekend. I did bake some bread, my usual sort of sourdough thing, but I did kind of revamp the Patreon-exclusive Discord, so we've got some new channels. Uh, normally, Discord is like a chat room, but we've also added some straight-up like old-school forum sections to keep things more organized, so I think so far people are... They're liking it. Nice. Nice. Awesome. Uh, and I'm assuming that uh, both books, we're going to have the, uh, what's it called, going the uh, Kitchen Arts and Letters book going, right? Yeah, the uh, Kitchen Arts first start here, but they're already released on Patreon. Sweet. Uh, all right. And, you know, if you should like the show, uh, I don't know, give us a good rating because it helps us out. Helps us help you. Help us help you. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. So uh, what else? What do you got, John? Anything? Anyone? Anyone? Food? I uh, I went to Zuni Cafe for the first time. Wow! And finally had the, the you know the famous chicken. Wow! How was the famous chicken? It was good. It was really good. I I, I was eating it, and I, I I told my girlfriend like, where have I had this before? I think I've had this before. And Nastasia, it was it was with you. Um, Peter Hoffman, I guess, cooked it mm. when we hung oh, out with him, yeah. and he did such a good job that I really had thought I had. You know that exact chicken before. Yeah. Well, I mean, oh, wow. when was that cookbook? Like a billion years ago, or like two billion years ago? Yeah, two billion, I think. Two billion. That was like, that was a long time ago. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. I'm glad that they still. But it was good. Still cook a chicken. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, how does it come out? How does it come it. out of the cafe? Like, what? What am I looking at? Half like, whole. Uh, what am I looking at? Whole, whole cut into pieces mm. over like a panzanella with big old chunks of bread mm. and um, like a salad with currants, I believe. How bitter, um, how, how bitter was but, the? You know, uh, pan, how bitter was the? Were, were the greens? Not very. Mm. Like blanched or just weren't bitter mm. ever. Not overy. What's that? No, like, no, no. They're, they're they're not not like the most bitter greens. I can't remember what they were though. Thanks. But um, or maybe they were just dressed so much with mm. the chicken juice and everything else. The currants are in there, so that sweetens it up. But and how many pieces um, do they cut a chicken really, into? Really? Uh, I want to say six. I think yeah, six. Um, and really good skin, like nice crispy skin. It was, it was pretty pretty damn perfect. So you're saying they cut that sucker apart in time so that the skin didn't steam itself to death? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, like, I really like crispy skin so much. What's your favorite poultry skin? Good question. It's going to be duck, right? I mean, duck skin is good. Duck skin is great. Duck skin is my favorite skin on the bird. I don't know that it's my favorite skin to rip off the bird and eat as its own snack. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. chicken's really good. The only issue with chicken is it's a little thin sometimes. You know what I mean? Once it renders out and gets crispy. I'm always slightly disappointed by, like, oh, okay, I'm just going to say this. A perfectly crispy rendered skin that was rendered crispy on the bird is better than one crisp, crispy skin on its own. Also good. Delicious, like flat, flat oven, crispy skin, good. But like perfect skin on the bird, I mean, maybe it's just because it's something. Maybe it's like, you know, like, you know, when you eat, when you go to dinner on your honeymoon, it's more delicious because, you know, of everything surrounding it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that's probably it. Yeah, yeah. Although, do you like the fact that it sh- everything shrinks like a mother when you pan the skin? No, but what are you going to do? Cooked fish skin in a pan is the best. Like just oh. putting, like roasting, like like you know, taking the fish skin, salt, pepper. Love it. Yeah, yeah, oh, little, little sh- tiny bit of sugar, yeah. not so much sugar that it scorches. This is the mistake people make. A little bit of sugar cuts any bitterness that you might get. Too much sugar it scorches, right? Oh my God! Put that in the oven. Keep a freaking eye on it because as soon, listen, people, your fingers are gonna get immune to it. You pull the thing out and you tap it. This is what you do with any fried food. You tap it and you have to mentally correct for the fact that as the skin cools, it hardens, right? So you have to know exactly that point when you push it, it's got a little bit of give, but you could tell it's going to be hard when it, when it cools down. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And that's what it's all about, about getting that feeling in your finger. And you have to practice with the skin because breaded stuff is hard as soon as it's hard, Right. It's the color you have to worry about on breaded stuff because as breaded stuff cools, it darkens down like paint. You know what I mean? So you got to like check it. But pretty much you can judge the hardness. It's actually going to get a little softer as it as the crust steams out. But uh, collagen-based things are the opposite. They get harder as they cool. So you, you got to just get that into your, into your little tap, tap, tappy, tap finger. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway. The uh, Discord is asking about... The uh, recent article on Grove Street. Can yeah. I talk about it, Dave? Now, let me talk about this first because I got to get it off my mind. This is not food related. Okay. Not food related. Okay. I got this book, and Nastasia, like earmuffs, because I, I talked to her about this for like half an hour yesterday. She doesn't want to hear it anymore, right? Uh, this book, Duped by Saul Kasson, about wrongful, like like false confessions and how common false confessions and how often people get convicted and all the skullduggery with false confessions. And this book that I'm listening to now, it's like someone put a piece of thermite on my head and it's burning a hole through my skull. Like, I just can't believe it. I just can't believe it. You know what I mean? Like, if half the stuff or quarter of what is in this book is accurate, and I have no reason to believe it's not all accurate, I'm like, oh my God, every, everything needs to be burnt. Everything needs to be burnt down. <laughs> like, all the things burnt down. It's just nuts. It's just crazy. But I will say this. If you buy it, which, you know, I'm recommending you listen to it or whatever. If you do buy it, just be aware that it, it uh, each chapter has its own theme of like, you know, the stigma attached to people who are, you know, uh, have a, a, a false confession and then get exonerated. And, you know, or why people would give a false confession because 
the basic premise of the book is you don't think it could happen to you, but ding, 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 guess what? It can. You know what I mean? And like why it happens and like all the false science behind it and all this other stuff. But uh, the stories tend to repeat themselves in like later chapters, like because he's an actual academic, even though this is a popular book, he won't. He, he, he recapitulates entire trial stories in later chapters that you've already heard. So if you hit it like in a small chunk, you'd be like, he's repeating himself, but I see why he did it. But that's my only little gripe. Right. Anyway. All right. So that's off my head. Now, what was I supposed to talk about, Quinn? Duped. Uh, contra bar. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, in uh, the Grub Street today and in uh, uh, New York Magazine, uh, they announced... Which, you know, the thing is, it makes me nervous is because I know so many people in the old days who are like, they didn't have an opening date yet, but the stuff was announced. And then you know what happens to them? Burnt. 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 I'm thinking about, you know, our, you know, our friend Sam Mason and Eben uh, Freeman over there at uh, Taylor who got like just excoriated by the press because like the article started coming out too far in advance of when the place was going to open. Right. And now this is different here because, you know, I don't anticipate a lot of delays and, you know, we're using the same liquor license. Well, okay. So what's happening. So, uh, Fabian von Hauske, or as we call him fabulous, right. Even though I'm, I think Nastasi and I are the only people left in the world that call him fabulous. Actually Booker and Dax call him fabulous. But other than that, those four people, or do you call him Fabian now, Stas? I don't call him anything because I never speak to him, but... Uh, wow, that's a, overly overly rude for no reason. Like, if you were going to call him a name, what would you call him? It's like, I don't talk to the Pope anymore, but pff, I don't know what I would call him. You know what I mean? It's like, you know... Well, you, no, I'm trying to... I haven't spoken to him in, since I don't know when. Houdini party. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Of course, you haven't spoken to anyone since the Houdini party. That was like how far how yeah. how far before the pandemic was the Houdini party? A uh, year, I don't know. Yeah, no, we did that pop up thing at uh at Wild Air towards the end of oh, yeah, the pandemic. Oh yeah, that was fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, yeah, oh, we, no, there was a party for uh, my band. You went you went hyper hyper robot there. Yeah, but uh, Fabian wasn't at Thunderbolt though. Oh, you're saying did St- Nastasia go out? Yes. But in other words, like, yeah. we used to do a lot of stuff beforehand, and then we stopped doing it. Yeah, basically is my point. Well, we'll start again maybe someday once we once we get, uh, once we're flush again, right, Stas? We can do that kind of crap? Uh, yeah. What is that? Jeez Louise. God. I'm just saying, like, John, John. Who pooped in your though, salad? Getting, what? Getting, getting you to do anything is really hard. Oh it's yeah, not really the money. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I see, I see. And she's not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I say I'm going to do something, I do it. That's why it's hard to get me to say I'm going to do something because when I say I'm going to do it, I do it. You know what I mean? Like that's all there is. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, so uh, fabulous and Jeremiah Stone uh, had a uh, restaurant called Contra. It was like tasting, you know, menus and like reservations every night. It was their first restaurant. I remember, Stas, you're going to remember this. We were at uh, Booker and Dax Lab, and we still had a lab on Elder Street. And uh, Fabulous comes in because he had, like, staged at, like, you know, Noma and all, all these places. Like, you know, he was at JG for a while, and he had done both pastry and culinary. And it just wasn't on my radar that he and Jeremiah, because they're so different, we're going to start a restaurant together, right? Then they've been on the show, but Nastasi and I were both like, what? Remember that? What? And then, like, uh, they had that restaurant for 10 years, and they decided to shut it down because they just wanted it to be whatever. They wanted to bookend it. They wanted to do something else. They didn't want to have to keep doing that all the time. So they shut it down. They wanted to open a bar. They contacted me because, you know, uh, I introduced them, and, you know, we've known each other forever. And so they want me to do the, uh, you know, like, work on the on a bar concept. It's going to be called Bar Contra. The date it's going to open is yet as undisclosed, and I've tapped uh, – I'm not going to be there every day. So I tapped uh, Theo uh, Uya, who uh, came to work with us towards the end of existing conditions. Uh, he's going to come – You know, well, it's not – again, it's not locked down. So this is why I hate talking about stuff before it's locked down because who knows? He could call me right now on the phone and be like, I'm out. Crap on you. You know what I mean? But anyway, so Theo is going to be uh, – you know, the head bartender, I guess, will be the title and like heading up the program. We haven't done the drink development yet, but there you go. I mean, the drink development, like, you know, I've, we spent the past however many you know decades of life figuring out how to develop drinks. So it's not it's not the development of the drinks that's the prize. I think a lot of people like menu, right? It takes a while to develop a menu because you got to iterate, but it's not like 
you're like, oh my God. You know what I mean, John? Yeah. Get back me up on this. Cause you know, you know, you know, ideas, you come up with ideas. That's not the hard part. Like iterating to get it exactly the way you want. Not easy, but you know, uh, I think, you know, people have a skewed concept of like what the hard part is. I mean, the hard part was getting where you know what you want to cook at all. Right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, was that sufficient, uh, sufficient, uh, yapping about it, Quinn or no? For sure. I think so. Yeah. All right. We should also quickly plug his flavor. Oh, yeah. You want to, you want to talk about MoFad? Are they going to come on? I need to follow up with Catherine on that, but yes. Yeah, we're talking about MoFad, the Museum yeah. of Food and Drink. Uh, we've rebooted the flavor exhibition. It's at uh, Empire Stores, which is the place in Dumbo that used to be a coffee warehouse. In fact, that neighborhood uh, on both, I think both sides of the river was the the premier coffee import export obviously we didn't grow anything here but you know back in the day uh, it was the you know that was one of the distribution hubs in the world for coffee and euchers who wrote the very famous book and until like 30 years ago like still the preeminent book even though it was written in the early 1900s you know because it was before the coffee revolution euchers all about coffee and if you've never seen euchers all about coffee i recommend that you go look at uh, it's you know it's public domain so you can read it fantastic i own a copy of course i own a copy but uh come on don't be dumb he also wrote all about tea i don't know how much he cared about tea as opposed to coffee it's a similar length but he's coffee was first and he worked in that neighborhood on both sides of the river as like a coffee uh dealer and distributor and knew all of the players like you know he might have been after uh you think it's jabez burns or habez burns the guy who invented the sample roaster and a bunch no idea of the would you prefer it to be Jabez or Habez? Habez. Really? I think so. I kind of want it to be Jabez. You know what I mean? Sure. Like Jabba? Yeah. Like Jabba? Because it's not Habba the Hut. No. I don't think the guy was Spanish. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Jabez. I mean, although with the J and a Z, it's got to go Spanish, right? It's got to be Habez. I think so. Yeah. Unfortunate. Because yeah. <laughs> and. And they still make, uh, by the way, roasters based on his original plan. And, you know, they now have all kind of thermocouples in it. But he did the first little mini drum roaster that could accurately do roasts on small batches because it's difficult. You know what I mean? And I, they, I don't think they very, they very rarely have seen them. I haven't searched in a long time, but they didn't used to come up for auction a lot. But I've always kind of wanted one. They're pricey, though. You know what I mean? Because they're a legit. And everyone's so coffee obsessed now that like all the stuff that used to be free on eBay is like infinity. People buy any damn thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, people, the worst. Um, how do we get into this? Oh, flavor. Yeah. So we rebooted the uh, flavor thing uh, and you can go check it out. So I built these little pumps that you can go. So at the, at the first uh, time that we are talking about this on the show, the first time around we had a, a pellet maker, like a tablet maker that was you, you could use it for candy or you could use it for medicine. And, um, one of our uh, people who was, you know, a staff at the museum at the time, Kate Dobday, who's now at J, uh, J, uh, James Beard, right? She's still at James Beard? I'm, that's where she was last. I'm not yeah, sure yeah. Celebrity. Anyway, so she became tablet queen. So Peter Kim, you know, you know, our old favorite, you know, punching bag museum guy, Peter Kim, uh, developed this recipe and Kate was making these pellets. So she would sit there with this machine and would be like, boof, 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 and would punch out these pellets. Of all different flavors. And the hard part about making a pellet is, is if you're not going to use sugar, you need to have something that will actually compress the pellet so it doesn't turn to dust. But it also can't be bitter. It has to be dead neutral. So Peter jacked it with inulin. So hopefully you didn't eat too many tablets and go Nastasia Lopez, uh, you know, sunchoke fartorama on it. You know what I mean? But uh, anyway, so she made all the all the pellets. And Rich She actually, our cook quest, uh, the uh, Koji uh, god, he modified the gumball machines to uh, distribute the pellets at the first go around. But we didn't want to, we didn't have Kate, we didn't have Rich, so we didn't want to go back to uh, pellets. So I designed and built these little pumps, these little flavor pumps with little peristaltic uh, pumps on them. And you push a button on top and they go, and they pump out the, the flavors into spoons and then you, you taste it, which, you know, I like. It's got little flashing LEDs, right? Yeah. Plus we have the smell synths back so you can sit there and push all the buttons and do flavor mashing so you can do like, that butyric acid is there, which is cheesy vomit smell, which sounds bad, is bad. But so it's, you mix cheesy vomit in with other things to make uh, like different flavors. My favorite is you take, um, you take diacetyl, which is butter aroma. And I forget the other one that goes with popcorn, right? There's another one. You hit those two with popcorn 
and you hit it, and then you go, you press the butyric acid, which is the cheesy vomit, and now it's smart food. I mean, it's my favorite. That's my favorite one of the of the ones, and like it all lights up. So go check it out. Uh, oh, we have a, we read your brain waves, and we print out what your brain waves are when you're on different candies. So you chew on a white rabbit, you you think about it, and we record your brain waves, and then uh, sell that to big data. I'm kidding. We don't sell it to big data, but uh, yeah, we give you a printout of uh, you know kind of what you're thinking about and what that food does for you. Yada yada, fun. Yeah, great great exhibition. Everyone should go check it out. Yeah, yeah. Did you were you on? Did you work at the museum when we had the first one up, or did you come on for Chow? Chow. Did you go to the original exhibition? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a it's a good reboot. Yeah, I don't know. It is. It yeah. is. Yeah, it's great. All right. Very kid friendly too, which is worth mentioning. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we're not going to light your kid on fire if you bring them. I mean, not on purpose. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. The only problem, it's upstairs, right? So if you go to Dumbo, so this is, do they still have weddings out by the, by the Brooklyn Bridge Park? Probably. It used to be when I was, uh, you know, in the early 2000s, uh, like right when Booker was born, but, but even before we had Dax, we would, every weekend we would walk across the Brooklyn Bridge, which was awesome. You know what I mean? And then we would go get ice cream at the ice cream factory there in Brooklyn, in the, in the park. And then... Uh, just watch wedding after wedding after wedding after wedding after wedding after wedding. Like the limos would come up with like a bear zip tied to the front. They would come out, take a billion photos of the, you know, at the water by the bridges and then get back in the vehicle out. And so we would just sit and we'd be like, what do you think? Seafoam? What do you think? Seafoam? Seafoam? Lavender? Seafoam. What? Seafoam. Seafoam was like the, the at that time was the the, the bride, uh, the, whatever, bridesmaid's dress to get. And then we would go get a mudslide cookie at uh, Jacques Therese. Jacques Therese's mudslide cookies? Excellent. And that where Jacques Therese might still be, have a thing there right across the street in what used to be the empty building is where we are. Upstairs, second floor, on the riverside. So don't, I mean, you can go through the non-riverside, but go over there. By the way, I can't, why do people go to that neighborhood and stand in the middle of a real street and take pictures? Because of the backdrop, Dave. It looks great for the Instagram. What the hell? It's really annoying. It sucks. Yeah. Nastasi, have you been to that neighborhood when, when that's happening? No. Oh, my God. Don't go. You would have no—you would lose your mind. I mean, like—and I'm, I'm trying to ride a bike up the street. I'm like, yo, this is a street. You know what I mean? This is a street. Like, some of us live in this city, and, like, I'm going to bike. And it's already hard to bike around there because I don't know which way any of those— Streets go. Darn streets go. You know what I mean? Anyway. <sighs> L. Butts writes in. Uh, by the way, uh, I, don't know, I think I said this Not Buttes. I said this last time. This is the second half of their question. L. Butts. I uh, would like to know uh, what else the spins all can do uh, besides clarification. We'd love to know if there's a resource available. And if not, maybe the Discord could come together to create one. I've heard of butters, oils, etc. Now I've heard of those too. I like the butter. It's not technically butter, I don't think. It's just like heavily, heavily clotted uh, cream. I don't know that it's actually inverted the emulsion. So butter, you have turned a uh, an oil in water emulsion into a water in oil emulsion. So the continuous phase of butter is oil and the continuous phase of cream is water. And that's why there is such a sharp break between when you're churning between uh, before it's butter and after it's butter, right? Uh, I'm pretty sure that the spinzol is not breaking the emulsion, but the stuff that you get is concentrated in butter fat up to the level of like butter, but you haven't inverted the emulsion. I think it's delicious. Even Nastasia, who hates most things. You like that, right, Stas? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I forgot to mention this. Uh, when uh, Grub Street put out the article on the Bar Contra, the only comment was from uh, a guy named Carl Hungus, which uh, uh, Joe pointed out is the nihilist from the Big Lebowski, German nihilist from the Big Lebowski. And uh, his comment, he's super excited for, for the project. Asterix, rolls eyes, asterix. You know, it's like... You know, it's like when you're making comments on like people's work, it's like at least be like inventive. Like, you know, people are real people. You know what I mean? Anyway, uh, Carl Hungus, if indeed that is your name. Uh, all right. Anyway, uh, so uh, what do you like better, Stas? You like the butter or you like the oil better in the spinzel? 
Um, oh, that's hard. I don't know. You know, you know I, I like the butter, I think, because, because when it's on bread, because you can't get something like that. You can get delicious oil. You can call Captain, Captain Oily and have him send you a delicious oil, and that oil is going to stay good. But that butter-like thing out of this, like, it's just so fresh tasting. If you get good cream. If you get good cream. I don't know. That's that may be my favorite. And you sprinkle salt on it. Remember, we used to like just I forget where we get the bread, but you get a good baguette and that and that that tranche of like butter like stuff out of the spins all some salt glass of, glass of rose champagne. That's the money. You know what I mean? I don't know. But the oil is good because we would make it really like fresh and and garlicky and stuff. That's it's hard to say. Um, would love to have a compiled list of functions as well as recipes. There is, in fact, that. And Quinn, is it is the manual and the recipe stuff online yet? Or are we still working on it? Are we going to put new ones online? No, we still we, we still got to work on it. But again, in for the patrons in the Discord, there is now a recipe forum. So obviously, everything for the spinzel will eventually be at bookerindex.com in a recipe section, but. We will also be posting some maybe experiments or other recipes um, on Patreon and Discord. Yeah, and actually, you know what? How about this? Because, like, if you buy the spins all, obviously we're going to give you recipes to use it because that would be ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like, uh, so but maybe, you know, if someone gives a good recipe, we'll credit you and we'll put it on the thing with your name on it because why wouldn't we do that? Yeah, You know what I mean? Uh, You're helping us, so why wouldn't we give you the the credit for it? yeah. So like there's other weird things that I so like uh, when Nastasia and I came out with the first go around of this, we did the uh, 12 days of spins, 12 days of spinning or whatever. And we had to come up with a new technique for each day, which like, you know, so after a while you run out. Right. So it's like, oh, uh, you know, we're going to do continuous mode today. Oh, we're going to do batch mode today. So with. um one of the ones that we did that was really weird was we fractionated fats. So I, I packed, I crushed ice and packed crushed ice into the bowl, uh, into the main bowl so that the rotor wouldn't hit it, but that it would, you know, <clears throat> be cold and then put uh, melted uh, chicken fat into the, into the rotor and spun it so that the heavier, like the stuff that would solidify, we could solidify and separate out the solidified to do like cold fractioning so that we could get the more solid fat and then use chicken fat to make pie crust. You know oh, what, here's a question. You know what it tasted? Would that work? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Would that work if it was just cold enough outside? Say it again. If you put the spindle outside and it was at the right temperature, would that just work? Yeah. Instead of packing the ice? Sure. What temperature do you think? I mean, it, any anything below the solidification point, and then you just got to stop when you solidify the amount that you want. You know what I mean? Um, mm. So, you know, when oil, I've got to remember this, because it's been a while since I've done it, but oil, I believe, like most things, unlike water, oil, when it crystallizes, I believe gets denser. So it will separate out, and the fa- the solid will stick to the outside of the of the rotor. I don't know what kind of delta you need. It all depends on on which which fats that you're doing. I mean, you could technically do it to, you know, almost any fat until the plastic got brittle. You know what I mean? Uh, depending on the on the solid fat uh, ratio of it. I mean, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of bull crap. But the the pie was good. What else do you want out of life? Mm-hmm. Pie was good, not greasy. You know what I mean? Uh, but it's a pain. No one. So like, I, I I stopped doing a lot of development on things that were. Fun, but not useful for people in um, in the real life. Like pea, like pea butter, like modernist modernist cuisine. One of their big things they did with centrifuge was pea butter, right? So they would blend up like you know like an entire truckload of peas, and then they would spin it in a centrifuge, and then they would harvest off the top of that this very bright green fat from the pea, and then you have like oceans of pea pulp, which I guess you could use the pea pulp to make split pea soup or something, or and then, like, I guess bulk that up with cream, a different form of fat, and then have this, like, rarefied ingredient pea butter. And, yeah, the spins all can do that. But I'm like, really? I mean, like, that's the kind of thing you do once. And you're like, yep. And then that's it. You know what I mean? Like, I was focusing more on stuff that 
or trying to focus on stuff where I was like, yeah, like a working cook might want to do this for their what bar if you or restaurant. Blend cream and peas and make like a pea butter, real butter hybrid. We could try it. Uh, I mean, the, the issue with the, that is like, you know, how much of that is, you know, like, so with peas, it's basically like all different various, le- there's some pea liquid, then there's pea butter, and then there's there's uh, the solids. I mean, you, we'd have to try it to find, try, try, try to try it and find out, you know what I mean? Like how much it's better than just doing things traditionally. You know what I mean? That's that's my problem with things like ultrasonic homogenizers. Everyone's like, ooh, ultrasonic homogenizer. I can make, I can, and the, you know, the main thing that an ultrasonic homogenizer can do is make milk-like emulsions with milk-like quantities of oil. So between two and 4% fat make emulsions that way. And it can do that. And I'm like, great. You know what else can do that? A, a, a Vitamix and some Xanthan and some freaking gum Arabic. You know what I mean? So it's like, I've always tried to focus on like things that, not just that you can do, but that there's a reason to do. You know what I mean? Like that's the, I mean, I enjoy doing things just once, just for, just for giggles. But I mean, it's like not, you know I mean? There's a difference between something for giggles and something that you expect people to do. No? Anyway. Oh, something, something else I did, actually, I didn't do it this week, but I did actually taste it this week. Obviously, a, a staple of the spindle is making, you know, some form of strained or, Greek yogurt, so I did oh, yeah, that's a make a uh, Greek yogurt gelato, which is really good. Yeah, yeah, you appreciated getting the solids uh, solids jacked up? What'd you do with the whey? And, uh, I haven't found, I haven't used it yet, but I did say, but and what I do is... 50 bricks, 50 bricks syrup. Make a 50 bricks syrup, shake oh, yeah, cocktails yeah. with it. Yeah. That's what you do. Um, I have a, I've developed a calculator, because obviously when you're spinning... Obviously, you can spin it shorter or longer, but you don't know exactly how much way you're removing beforehand. But I have a calculator that measures, okay, you punch in how much way was removed, and then it will it will adjust the recipe uh, based on sort of the fat content of your final product. Huh. So as, but you have to make sure that you're using the same inputs every time, same volume, same inputs. Right. Uh, no, you can adjust. You say how much total yogurt you're spinning or straining, how much weight has been removed, and then it took, and yeah, but how linear? How linear content. is it? How linear is it? Because like the, uh, uh, this is the thing I always worry about. Like I've, I was doing a lot of nut milk stuff today. More book crap. A lot of nut milk stuff. Oh my god, so boring. Is there anything more boring than making very precise amounts of nut milk? Probably not. Probably not. And by the way, I'll say this: I've had very good luck with nut milk bags. Except this one that I used today to decide to use for all of my tests. This seems leaked. It seems leaked. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, so like I wonder, have you seen how linear it is? If you take the same amount, uh, if, you, if you take the same yogurt and you do it for the same amount of time and you don't fully fill the rotor, do you get the same answer every time? In order to, is, is it linear? Or are the losses different and the amount that it spins different depending on the load in the rotor? That's what I'd be curious about. Well, I don't know, but again, I, what I did is just I kept track of the total amount that went in and the total amount of weight that came out. Yeah, well, and th- both of those are variables. Do a do a do a half rotor and see whether or not you get the same answer with the same inputs. You know what I mean? I'm curious to know. Yeah, Quinn's the Quinn's Captain Calculator. Loves a calculator. He did a calculator for uh, what do you do? You did a calculator for uh, for uh, key lime. Uh, key lime. Key lime. Yeah, key lime acid. Key lime acid adjust key lime pie. Key lime variants. Uh, by the way, I'll say this also. We talked about glassit on the air. I did some calculations and a whole lot of glycerin in that recipe. So I did a variant. Uh, so that I now call that glassid like heavy glassid. And I now make a glassid light, like a light glassid that has less glycerin in it. And I did a side-by-side test. And the drink was as good until it got extremely diluted. It was as good with the less glycerin. So I've now moved to a lower percentage glycerin. So now my new glassid is 40% glycerin by volume, uh, the balanced water, you know, with the acid added, whereas my old one was 60% by volume. You know what I'm saying? And by, by the way, glycerin, quite heavy, quite heavy. So simple syrup, water, roughly one gram per milliliter. 
Simple syrup, roughly 1.23. Glycerin, roughly 1.26. Heavy. And so most people want to know how many grams of glycerin they're consuming. So if I give you 60% by volume, oh, that's a lot of glycerin. You know what I mean? That's like a, that's a big weight of glycerin. So I like I'm toning it down a little bit. I mean, I mean. Makes sense, yeah. Toning it down, baby. <laughs> Might as well do it there. I don't tone it down anywhere else. Uh, Monty, when I soak my kidney beans... They split, even if I salt the water. According to McGee, salting should prevent splitting when cooking. I do have hard water. Is that the problem? Monty, here's what you're not telling me. Are you saying that when you don't soak the kidney beans, they don't split? Because that doesn't make any sense to me, right? The main thing about soaking is, and so the salt during the soak helps water penetrate. The more water penetrates the bean, the higher the water content of the bean when it starts, the faster the bean will cook, right? That makes sense. And the more evenly it will cook. The reason beans split is because the outside gets kind of overhydrated before the inside is hydrated. Couple that with the fact that most of us uh, have too high of a boil on our beans and the skin split. This is why if you take your beans and you cook them 45%, uh, sorry, uh, not 45%, <laughs> 45 minutes is in my head. If you cook your beans like 75% of the way done, but they're still hard and they're intact, and you then just keep it topped with water and put it in a low oven, like 250, 300, right? Then nothing's going to split because you're not roll boiling it, right? And everything is happening more gently. It's just the speed at which you're pushing the stuff through and the violence of the boil that's doing it. That's like how many times have you had – I'll give you like another thing. How many times have you done this? You have the beans. You open it. They look perfect. You put the spoon in, wrap, 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 and now you got a bunch of broken beans with split skins, right? It's So like the trick is is you want to be very – you want to get them – get them close to done without splitting them and then be gentle at the end, add some acid at the end. As soon as they're soft enough that you don't want them to split anymore, acid will, uh, will strengthen the, uh, the, the pectin in them and kind of stop them from breaking down anymore. Uh, then low oven, but don't add acid before they're done or they ain't never going to get soft. Am I answering this question? I don't know that the hard water, hard water, if hard water is going to make it take longer for your, uh, let's see, hard is more basic. The more basic your water is, the faster your beans will cook. So the softer they'll get. And so that could be making them, uh, like, and and if couple that with boiling on the stove and that could be splitting them apart, uh, faster. I don't know. Um, you know, I am fortunate to live in New York city where the water is like very nothing. You know what I mean? It's like very, it's pretty soft. That's why I like showers in New York. If you have good pressure are good. Like you take a shower in New York city and you're like, Oh, I'm clean. I'm clean. The city is maybe a pile of filth. I am clean. You know what I mean? Anyway. Uh, what do you think, Quinn? You were going to add something to uh, to uh, Monty's bean bean woes. I was going to say, if the water is hard, wouldn't calcium also reinforce the structure a little bit? Oh yeah, yeah. So if it's hard because of calcium, which it always is, correct? Calcium is any calcium in the water is going to uh, make them take forever to cook. Yeah, I don't want calcium in that water. Uh, another problem you have, Monty, is that you're using kidney beans. I'm kidding. I just don't like kidney beans. I mean, like, the thing is, kidney beans are fine. They're fine. They're fine. Kidney beans are fine. But, like, you know, how about pinto beans? Pinto beans, delicious. Would you ever, John, would you ever choose a freaking kidney bean over a pinto bean or a black bean? No. Love a good black bean. Yeah. 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 The two beans where I'm like, I see them at the store, and they're fine beans. I got in big trouble on the internet for saying that I didn't like them. You know what I mean? It's not that I don't like them, but... Kidney beans have a thick skin. They're not like, they're not like a, so I can insult them because they have a thick skin. Uh, but it's like, they're not like, I don't know. It's, it's never the bean. I'm like, oh yeah. Kidney beans. What about those Rancho Gordo beans? Yeah. Yeah. He also, he, he, he went to me privately. He's like, yeah, yeah. Kidney beans, not the best bean. You know what I mean? <laughs> he didn't want to get into it. He didn't want to get into it on the internet because he didn't want to get lambasted. You know what I mean? Uh, but he's like, you know, it's just not, you know. It's, it's, it's a bean. It's a good, it's a, it's a bean, but it's not the bean, you know, in, in a world, in a world where you could choose any bean for roughly the same price. You know what I mean? I could get pintos for the same price as kidneys. You know, I think people like kidneys because the color is nice. Maybe. Are you sad when you take a good looking bean and you cook and it just turns one color bean? Yeah. 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 I don't think anyone has ever cracked that 
that nut. No one's ever made like one of those awesome looking beans stay awesome looking. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what are you supposed to do? Serve a little raw cup of beans next to it? Be like, this once looked awesome. Thanks, buddy. Sounds like a really nice deep purple hue and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gone. Yeah, gone. Dead. Yeah. I will say this. Uh, with kidneys especially, if you're going to do that, and and black beans, is that it, um, pre-blanching with hot and dumping will dump a lot of color. So if you care about color, don't do that. Uh, Daniel Gritzer did a lot of tests on that. Go talk to him. So, what what about that as a service flourish though, Dave? Like bringing the the raw beans table side. Well, I mean, like on the one oh, hand, oh, I, on the, on the, oh, I, I would eat them. I would be like, "Crap on you, jerk!" And I would eat them, and then like be coughing up bean powder. But maybe if I just showed you the bean and then didn't let you have it, <laughs> that's it, what I mean. Just no, show no. it. Yeah, you know. No, no. Here's the move: you print, or either you print a photo of the raw beans on the plate, or you have a little actual glass chamber built into the plate. So as you're eating the sort of meal, like discolored cooked beans, you're revealing the cool looking raw beans. So like the tray is like resin, like with like, like, yeah, it's like a diorama on your, yeah, yeah, yeah. So how about we do this? So how about this in the seventies? Like if you were a kid in the seventies, I don't know. I can only vouch for the seventies because that's when I was a kid. Right. You would go to school and in art class, they would hand you a pile of beans and a bunch of glue and you would draw a picture on the paper and you would put lines of glue down and then you would put all beans, different color beans. So like maybe you could do, I don't know, what I did was a parrot. I did a parrot out of beans and then you hang that on the wall. Your mom frames it under glass until bugs get to it. And then you have glass with like bugs and, 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 and bean drip coming down. But you could do that with the beans, like make a picture, and then be, you could point out which beans on the parrot you're eating. It's like, uh, ma'am, you, you have the beak. You have the beans from the beak. Uh, you know what I mean? Like something like that in, in a tray underneath. Yeah, yeah, we could do it. Could do. I'm going to call, call Fabulous and Jeremiah and see what they had to say about that. Uh, new concept. New concept. It's all bean trays. Just bean trays. Anyway. Uh, math man. Uh, did Dave ever make olive oil butter with different edible waxes and get any of that to work well? He talked about it last year, but I never heard a follow-up. Yes. Yes, I did. Uh, so I was using olive oil and then mixtures of coconut fat and, um, coconut fat and, uh, cocoa butter, depending on what I was trying to mimic. Uh, to tr and I don't have the numbers on me right now. Uh, I did get it to work and I could, I, I could use enough and I could make biscuits with it. That's what I was testing, biscuits, because biscuits. Although I, I know Nastasia doesn't like biscuits. I love biscuits, but I, everyone in my family would rather have bread to biscuits. You know what I mean? So, like, they're like, if you could make, but the problem is I can make bread, like, I mean, I can make biscuits like this. You know what I mean? Like, whereas, like, bread, I have to think about it. You know what I mean? But they were always like, yeah, I'd rather have the bread to the biscuit. I don't know. What about anyone? Anyone here is going to choose the biscuit over the bread? Like for your dinner? dinner time. And, and, and in the morning, they'd rather I make the pancakes or the waffles. You know what I mean? Anyway. So that's I, fair. So I don't make as many biscuits as, as, as I'd like to. But yeah, I got it to work. I mean, the issue was is that I would do that and then I would do lard and then I would do butter. And despite what, you know, history tells you, everyone in my family was like, butter. And I'm like, well, what about, they're like, the butter. And then like, I, I'd be like, but I did butter. You know what I mean? So like every time I would do side by sides, they would all want the butter one. So I stopped kind of experimenting. I could get back to it. I could, you know, I, I'll try to remember to bring the numbers. Quinn, tell me, I'll try to remember to bring the numbers on what I tested. If I can dredge them up. I... Uh, we, we have a live question from the discord. You want to answer that? I don't know. Do I? Uh, Garrett, major pork chili recipe this weekend never made a no bean chili before do you have a similarly insanely good chili template for a veg chili i i yes and no so i have what i call chili beans which is beans with a similar flavor to chili right mm -hmm. uh but it's not exactly the same. I can, I'll go try to. I'll try to find the. I'll go try to find the recipe. I mean, 
a lot of people work on this. I would get get some yandu because that stuff is delicious uh, and it helps uh, recipes like that um, tremendously. I'm trying to remember. You need, you need something to sub out for the chicken stock. So most veg stock, you can make your own veg stock, but it's kind of a pain in the butt to make a decent veg. What do you have a good veg stock you make, John? Kind of, no. What do you use? There's, there's good veg bases out there now. Like, uh, you know. I don't know. I got I to gotta remember it. But it's otherwise pretty similar. The trick when you're doing beans, as I said, is don't add any acids from the at the get-go. You got to get it where it's going. So the, the trick is I, peppers aren't acidic enough to give you a problem. So I always do start with the onions, cook the onions way down, throw in um, garlic, cook that down. Then make sure you have enough oil, right? Then uh, beans and uh, water and the chili peppers. Now you can pre-blend like the, I usually use some mixture of like ancho, pasilla, and guajillo. You can get some mixture like that. Or you can use whatever you like. I don't care what you use. But like bl I would blend that with uh, the, uh, in a blender first with uh, some of the water just so that you don't have to post blend it later. I also, the trick that I have in the pork chili is I de-seed and, uh, and take the, all the insides out of the peppers beforehand, both so that I can see if any are moldy because, you know, the, a lot of the peppers when you open them are moldy. So anyone who blindly throws dried chili peppers in, you're consuming like Sometimes really nasty stuff. You've seen that, right, John? Yeah. Yeah, real nasty. And also, you can add more pepper for a given amount of spice if you take out, like, a lot of the inside. So anyway, so you blend that with water. You put it in your beans. Don't add tomato yet. No tomato yet. I start with salt, right? I do add salt in the soak, and I, and I keep it in there, and some sugar. And then you take the beans until they're basically done. Then you add uh, tomato, right, and acid correct at that point you know, correct all the stuff and then put it in a, in a, in a low oven for a while to let it round and, and finish out. That's, that's typically what I do. Uh, I do also usually add to chili beans, some fresh pepper as well, like some mix of green and, and, and red, uh, fresh, fresh. I'll also say that, um, the longer you cook your mixture of onion and pepper before you add the liquid, and I hate to say it because I would have thought this is crap, but I've been testing it recently just the better the, the better the result, the better that stuff tastes. You know what I mean? Like just cooking that stuff down until it's flashed off most of its moisture, even though you're going to add more, just seems to make a better flavor. And it's not that I really understand it, but it just seems to make a better flavor. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I haven't done as much testing. You tested, sweating, kind of... you tested sweating onions and your mirepoix first versus not, and it was a big difference. Yeah, right? it was a big difference. Yeah, sweating was... The right way to go. Don't yeah. skimp on it. Yeah. Made a tomato soup, by the way, this uh, weekend because uh, uh, it was my nephew's birthday and he likes grilled cheese. It's his thing. He likes grilled cheese. And so Jen was like, well, you should make grilled cheese and tomato soup. So I was like, okay. And uh, so I cooked the hell out of the onions beforehand. I, I tripled the onions because it's me. And I just, I cooked it for an hour and 20 minutes on the, on the Breville induction. So I just put it, I put the induction at 220 and, or 220, 25, oil, uh, butter, and just let it go. Like every 15 minutes I would come stir it, come back. That's the genius of the, of the, of that induction unit. That control freak is that. I was not even concerned. You know how when you put something on the oven, you're like, is the, is the flame going to go out? Is it going to scorch? No. I don't care. Not, oh, no. Terrible news, though. Guess what, guess what finally gave up the ghost, I think. I think it's finally dead. My rice cooker. Uh. 20 years. 20 years that thing's been serving me. It's died twice and come back from the grave. I plugged it in. It has a new bad behavior. And I don't think it's going to come back. So I'm, I think I'm back in the, in the market for a rice cooker. I mean, 20 years is a good, it's a good long run. Respectable. You know, it's been through some stuff. Booker made me remove the, uh, the speaker from it. So it's the silent rice cooker. It's the, you know, like uh, he used to really, really hate the music that the Zojirushi would play. And so he made me, made me. Eviscerate the speaker, but uh, I, I'm going to miss that thing. Also, like I wasn't expecting to spend because those things are expensive, like a couple hundred bucks yeah. more. But I got to get the neuro fuzzy. I got to get the induction. The question is, and so, someone help me out. Someone has experience. Should I get the one that does pressure or just a gimmick? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. 
In mm-hmm. other discussions, I've had people recommend the, the pressure. Yeah. And is there anyone that can beat Zoji Rushi? I mean, like, if you're in Asia, like, Zoji Rushi is just, like, a mid-tier good brand. But is there one that you can get here that is that beats the Zoji Rushi? Or is it, like, does its rice reign supreme here in the U.S.? You know what I mean? I don't know. I think there was a Korean brand I heard about, but I can't recall. I mean, makes sense. I think, weren't rice cookers invented in Korea? I don't, I don't know. I don't, know. I don't remember. Uh, all right. Chez writes in, hey, Dave mentioned that when he first started carbonating, he went on a wine carbonating spree before realizing that not all wines are improved by carbonation. Is there a good way to tell beforehand if a wine will taste better or worse when carbonated, or is it purely trial and error? Yeah, sorry, it's trial and error. Like, you're more, it's more likely that unless you think that, unless you think this wine is not, good on its own most of the time it's not better if you carbonate it you know what i mean uh some things that aren't weren't at the time normally carbonated it's just really fun to have a version of that wine carbonated like it's really fun to have like a gewürztraminer that's carbonated or a riesling that's carbonated you know what i mean it's fun uh you know i wouldn't do it to a high-end one you know what i mean um you know most if you think about uh Champagne versus other wines, if you've ever flattened out champagne in a vacuum machine like I have, it's not so pleasant when you flatten it. You know what I mean? So, like, I would tend towards stuff that's kind of a little uh, a little acidic, a little too acidic maybe. Uh, you know, carbonate. Give it a try. Let me know. You know, that that's something that should go on the Discord there is, like, uh, people just, this wine, better carbonated. But you have to be honest with yourself. You have to taste it both ways and be honest with yourself. Uh, Will Robinson writes in, good old Will, uh, whose mom is the, uh, is the, uh, turkey, turkey tech line, turkey tech line. But remember this, even if your turkey's not, she'll help you. You know, she's like, that's, that's just kind of people they are because they know that next time you'll probably buy one of theirs. Maybe not though. Right. If you're, if, butterball. Butterball. Oh my yeah. God. Jeez. Jeez, Jeez Louise. Louise. Sorry, Will. Jeez. Oh God. Butterball. Who owns Butterball? Are they their own company? Let's We're looking up. See. Ah, sorry, man. What a what a idiot. You know what? When you get old, you just get dumb. It's not Tyson, is it? No. No. Uh, they own every so board corporation. Organization is, yeah. Yeah. Seaborg Corporation. They're owned yeah. by Josh Seaborg. Agribusiness. The 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 bartender. <laughs> anyway. Uh man, now I feel bad. Well, we'll bleep it. Uh, since we since we had a question shortage before, wondering if Dave could uh, would be cool tackling the cavitation. Okay, Will, cavitation variance between uh, EC infusions and ultrasonic infusions. Memory is fallible, mine more than most, but I don't recall him speaking on it. Um, okay, 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 okay. So what we're talking about is rapid infusion with uh, nitrous oxide versus ultrasonic, right? Now, ultrasonic hom- uh, homogenizers, do in fact uh, I think they're talking about ultrasonic baths. What? Well, whatever. Like like those do work by actually cavitating. So nitri- rapid infusion is not a cavitation phenomenon. Here's how this works. You come up with a technique, you publish it. Some other person is like, I know that technique. That's from blah blah blah. It's it's nitrogen cavitation. It is not. It is not. There is not a cavitation phenomenon happening with uh, with nitrous oxide, right? It is it is a solubility shift and like pressure in, pressure out, not cavitation. Ultrasonic, whether it be bath or with a homogenizer, you are literally like faster than uh, faster than you can hear, i.e., over twenty thousand hertz, right? Rapidly pushing the liquid back and forth so that you create minute vacuum bubbles that then collapse. With great force, right? That's cavitation, and uh, and cause all sorts of damage, or knock the dirt off your jewelry, or you know, clean out the inside of your glassware. And if you stick your hand in an ultrasonic bath, you're like, oh, that tingles because that's cavitation of the water right around where your hand is. That's cavitation, right? Rapid infusion with nitrous, not cavitation, not cavitation. Here's another thing people like to say. 
Blenders work by cavitation. Oh, yeah? No, they don't. You know what I mean? Like, that's not how they work. If they worked by cavitation, right, there would be a, a, a definite difference in sound between before they cavitated and afterwards. And if it was cavitating, right, it would be a vacuum being formed, not air, which means that as you blended, right, the volume wouldn't go up because as soon as the va- vacuum cavitated bubbles collapsed, they would be collapsed because it's a vacuum because that's how cavitation works. In fact... Like, cavitation is a huge problem because if there was actually a lot of cavitation going on in a blender, the metal would get pitted. I mean, cavitation is violent. You know what I mean? So I know everyone says cavitation in blenders. I don't buy it. I'm just not buying it. And it's not like I haven't looked at a lot of high-speed photography of blenders in action because I have, and I just don't buy it. Okay? Uh, So the difference between, like, uh, the ultrasonic – the ultrasonic confusions literally are working by cavitation, and I think they're just – shaking the heck out of everything and pushing stuff in. I don't know that I've had anything where I'm like, the ultrasonic stuff can speed stuff up, right? Anything you do can speed stuff up. And so, like, maybe it's useful for that. But, like, the ultras- like ultrasound seawater and all this stuff, I just don't honestly get it. And it's coming from someone who owned one. You know, I own the really expensive one, the really hardcore one, the one that drives any young person out of the kitchen. And I was just like, I don't know, man. You know what I mean? I don't know. Uh, whereas the, the nitrous is just use pressure. Uh, you, you make a gas that's soluble in the liquid and in fat, which is key. You use pressure to push that into the pores. Then you release the pressure. And because, uh, the solubility changes rapidly, it boils back out again. So different. And like people, people do this all the time, right? They go on the, they go on the web and they try to plant their own flag on something saying something is something that it is not. Why? What is even the point of that? You know what I mean? But they did that like right after we came out with the, with the blog post, someone started saying it's cavitation and right away I had to be like, no, I mean, look, someone come prove me wrong, but good luck. You know what I mean? Uh, did I answer the question though? Did I answer the question? Yeah. All right. Uh, see, uh, last question from, uh, Jeff, uh, Kenoth, uh, we have a drink that we do that is, uh, pre-batched essentially with gin, matcha, lime, lime bitters. I wonder what lime bitters is. What do you guys think lime it's bitters is? Like a, it's like a tincture of lime zest, basically. I mean, you can buy, you know, I don't think they're technically bitters. I mean, I have lots of things that are called bitters, but they're not all actually bitter, but they're, they're you know... Well, then somebody, then somebody needs to get punished, right? Yeah. If they're not bitter, somebody needs to get punished, you know what I mean? Anyway, we used to do a grapefruit bitters. I did it once because it lasts forever, right? So going back to, like, Booker and Dax days, Chang hated any form of waste, so he got mad because we made so much gin and juice that, you know, we would get rid of all of our shells of, uh, of grapefruit. So I blended all of those shells with the pith and then put them into 100% ethanol to end up with a 50% alcohol bitters, dropped all the pectin out of it and aged it. It was good. That's bitter. Anyway, so uh, gin, matcha, lime, lime bitters, simple syrup, coconut puree from the perfect puree. It breaks slightly and has tiny globules floating in it. Hasn't been bad enough not to serve, um, but wondering if there would be a quick fix or something to add or a process to change, like make sure to add X first to improve it. We have a really simple program, so we don't have much equipment. We basically brew tea, make simple syrup, and dump the ingredients into a uh, five-gallon keg. Thanks for your help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So coconut, uh, ask anybody, coconut is the hardest thing to keep into uh, solution as the temperature change and as it dilutes because coconut fat is one of the harder fats that you deal with. So it's very hard, like much harder than butter to keep that stuff emulsified. So even using like tickaloid or, you know, gum arabic and xanthan, you're going to have some issues keeping coconut from breaking. This is why if you look at the back of Coco Lopez, no relation, you'll see that it's full of hydrocolloids like guar and all this stuff to keep it from breaking. This is why Coco Lopez is like so good in drinks and why, you know, people don't necessarily make their own products. Uh, I used to talk to the guys at TIC Gums and I was like, yeah, coconut. And they're like, yeah, coconut, big problem. I'll try to think about it more because uh, it is a it is a good problem. Everybody likes, uh, everybody likes coconut. The problem with Coco Lopez is so dang sweet. It's so dang sweet. Any of you guys Coco Lopez fans or have an alternate? You know what's good to use? I know. Use a sweetened condensed uh, coconut milk. 
that uh, that Don used to use at uh, what's it called? What's it called? Existing conditions. That stuff's good. Also sweet, but very concentrated. So you know, you're not adding as much liquid. Anyways, whatever. Use it instead of the simple syrup. Whatever. Cooking issues. Mm-hmm.